0: Welcome to the Flint Catholic Podcast. I'm Father Tony Smeela, and I'm alone today. Well, I'm actually not alone today. Michael Hasso isn't with me today, but I'm here with my two producers backstage. And uh, as you notice, we've got a new setup today. So you've probably noticed we haven't had an episode for like four weeks now. I think it's been four weeks since I've uploaded an episode. And that's because we've been trying to get this YouTube studio put together, trying to get all this video equipment together. We're getting there. We're working on it. Um, We're trying to make it all happen. So uh, please bear with us in the meantime as we figure out all the technology, all the different things. So where can you find us? If you're just listening to us on the podcast, you can also find us on video. If you've ever wondered what Michael Hasso actually looks like. Uh, you can find him on YouTube. So, Flint Catholic Podcast. If you just Google that on YouTube, uh, you should be able to find us. We'll put a link in the description today for our uh, YouTube channel. Uh, so, find us there. Find us as um, anywhere on anywhere podcasts are found as well. If you want just the audio, which I don't mind, if you listen just listen to us on audio, I don't like looking at myself either. So, today we're gonna do hashtag BYOB. Bring your own Bible, Bishop's Year of the Bible. We're going to look at the book of Colossians, St. Paul's letter to the Colossians today. So, what is a Colossian? So, Colossae is a uh, city in Greece. It's located about 120 miles east of Ephesus uh, in the Lycus River Valley in ancient Phrygia. Phrygia is one of my favorite words. I love Phrygia. It was part of the Roman territory of Asia Minor, so it's really modern-day Turkey. Um, that's what you're looking at today. It's a port city uh, near uh, in Turkey. St. Paul is regarded as the author of this letter to the Colossians, and he wrote this letter between um, 60 and 61, so this is one of his captivity epistles. He's writing this from prison in Rome. St. Paul likely never visited Colossae, uh, so it seems that his uh, his buddy Epaphras, Epaphras uh, he's a resident of the city. He heard St. Paul preach, probably in a nearby town. Paul did go nearby. He was in Asia Minor quite often, uh, so he... Um, Probably did go and uh, hear him preach and so he brought himself the gospel to Colossae Epiphras did that This letter um, what is it written for it's written to rebut some errant teachings about uh, who had been that had been circulating in the city at the time Paul isn't explicit about who he's writing about, but it's pretty clear he's writing about the Judaizers, Now we've talked about the Judaizers before. It's those who believe that uh, Gentiles need to conform themselves to the old law before becoming Christians. Essentially, they need to become Jews before they become Christian. Uh, there's another philosophy that's uh, circulating at this time that he goes against, a real pagan secular philosophy, uh, and that's, one that's kind of trying to mix itself with a Christian philosophy, almost a sort of a syncretism uh, in that. One of the cool things, I actually just found this out today. I was uh, doing some research on uh, the book of Colossians. I just found this out today. This is really cool. This is kind of for the biblical nerds out there. But the the Bible is written with such a beautiful structure. Um, it's incredible uh, just the amount of, of care and beauty that went into writing these works, even these letters that St. Paul wrote. It's written in a chiastic structure. There's a chiasm built in. So you're probably saying, what is a chiasm? Uh, chiasm is a uh, a poet poetical uh, instrument used. So you've got, uh, so A, B, A, B, right? That's your typical poetic structure, right? A, B, A, B. The A lines rhyme and the B lines rhyme, right? Uh, but with a chiasm, you've got this mirrored effect. So you've got A, B, C, C, B, A. And... When uh, we look at the, the letter to the Colossians, it's not that it rhymes in, in the words, but it's the ideas that rhyme, the ideas that come together and, and rhyme with each other. And so there are uh, really 10 major points. It's five points of a The whole letter is written in a So A, B, C, D, E, E, D, C, B, and A. I can do the alphabet backwards. Uh, so we've got the ideas that start and then it mirrors on the second half of the letter, um, going deeper than the first five uh, topics. So even just a letter is written with uh, such care that, that they thought to even put in a chiastic structure. So St. Paul is really um, just a beautiful poet, beautiful writer in, in what he's trying to get across here. So let's actually look at some of the um, some of the, the parts of the letter here So in chapter 1 verse 24 st. Paul says now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church So this can be quite confusing because what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? Christ gave himself as the perfect sacrifice for our redemption and the forgiveness of our sins so There's no lack in that sacrifice, right? I'm not going to say that Christ, you know, didn't fulfill his sacrifice perfectly. But Paul is referring to our duty to respond to that offer of redemption by cooperating with the graces that we've been given. We have to cooperate. We have to do our part in that. So cooperation means seeking holiness, carrying our crosses, enduring uh, patiently redemptive suffering, keeping the moral law, all the things that are on our end uh, to being saved Through redemption of suffering, Christ's disciples share in the cross and consequently win graces for the conversion of themselves and of others as well as make preparation for their own sins and the sins of others. I said preparation. Reparation. Make reparation for their own sins and the sins of others. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 1. This is another great one. You've probably heard this before, too. Then if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above. Not on things that are on earth. Always a great thing to remember, right? That that we are to remember that we are just pilgrims here on earth. Um, our time here is is just a short time lived here, and and we are to focus on the things of heaven, the eternal things. So keep your f- mind focused on God and the eternal things, the things that endure. So uh, producers, should I talk about a really difficult verse? Um, go ahead. Yes, good. Do you want to yeah. Sure. So let's talk about a difficult verse. Chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. All right, let's just read it, and then we'll go from there. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of our, of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, be subordinate to your husbands, as is proper to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and avoid any bitterness towards them. Oof. So this one is... Uh, Often when we have this in the lectionary, they just skip this section entirely, but I like going right after it. All right, so what is St. Paul doing here? Is St. Paul just this patriarchal male guy that's like, you know what, wives, just be subordinate to whatever your husband does? Is that what he's saying? Of course he's not saying that, right? So two things to remember here. First, in the uh, Greco-Roman culture, um, households, the, the, the men, the husbands, are the head of the family. They make all the decisions. And yet, notice who Paul addresses here first. He addresses the woman here first. He doesn't address the man here first, which would have been totally uh, countercultural to the time. And he addresses her not just as the property of the husband, but as a free agent, which is also exceptional for that time. Um, Notice at the end, too, right? Be subordinate, not just that's the end of it, but be subordinate as is proper to the Lord. Be subordinate as is proper to the Lord. So this denotes a different way of looking at the marital relationship than had been seen until that time. It's seen in the context of a Christian life, um, not as a husband dominating a wife. Then he turns to the husband and he says, love your wives, love your wives. And he's not talking about love that's the feeling, right? He's not talking about that, that, uh, that emotion of love, but he's talking about the choice to love. And he's talking about that deeper sense of love that you have to choose every single day to love that person, day in and day out. I'm going to choose to love you even when I don't feel like it. Love is shown when things are difficult, when it includes a lot of suffering. And that's what he's saying to the men. You You love your wives to the point of death, to giving your lives up for them. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling. This is what Paul is telling them. So Paul really isn't mirroring uh, the patriarch of the day the patriarchy of the day, but he's really envisioning this this marital relationship in the context of Christ and his sacrifice so um, Those are the three passages. I wanted to look through in Colossians Colossians is great. It's only four chapters long It's a really short read so you can sit down and read it in you know ten minutes um, But if you really want to dive into it take much longer with it really work through the the, the paragraph slowly and let the Lord uh, work through that so all we got for you today Um, hopefully next week uh, we'll have Michael with you we'll have a whole upgraded studio we'll get to maybe even show you around a little bit on the YouTube page Um, thank you to my producers Uh, I think we did good for the first time so we're going to keep trying this and hopefully keep going getting better as we do it so take care see you next week